BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey everybody and welcome into the Phillies Talk Podcast. Happy Friday, right about to be the weekend, which means more sitting around in your house. Does that excite you, Ricky Bo? Yeah, I'm, I'm wicked psyched about sitting in, doing nothing, laying on the couch, watching re- Yeah, I'm psyched. I'm right where I want to be right now. Not. That's the name of the game right now. So, Ricky, I figured today kind of take things in a different route. Uh, talk about you know, you and I throughout the season are always talking about players that we like, and a lot of them are unheralded players. You know, some of them are the Freddie Freemans of the world, but there are also a lot of players who don't get as much love. And I think that, you know, Phillies fans who are focused specifically on the local nine might not know as much about. So today we're each going to go through a list of our seven favorite non-star players to watch. Our lists each include one Philly and six non-Phillies. I'm going to start it off with Jeff McNeil of the Mets, a guy who's really killed the Phillies over the last two seasons. I just love watching the guy hit. Left-handed hitter, always up there making contact, rarely strikes out, swings at everything. And personally, I'm just a fan right now of guys who go against the grain. We see so much of the same, so many power hitters who shrink the strike zone and swing and miss a lot. So when you see a guy who has those contact, old-school bat-to-ball skills, it really sticks out. He's more like, he reminds me a lot of almost like a Tony Gwynn. He's going to get the barrel on the ball. Doesn't matter if it's hit the left field, right field, but he's going to hurt you in some way during the game. That's it. You know what? You're right. It is a little bit of old, old school. And he, he reminds you of a little bit of a throwback player. I mean, we're not talking throwback from like 40 years ago, but we're just talking about, you know, throwback from a little while back before the analytics, I think you're going with. Because he looks more of a – I mean, he's a lefty and he doesn't necessarily have that huge uppercut swing, which is an odd factor in the game today, right? Yeah, for sure. He's had 127 plate appearances against the Phillies, has Jeff McNeil. He's hit 388. He's three, 388. Hey, you know what, though? I, I'm going to tell you something about a guy like Jeff McNeil. He is the hardest type of hitter to pitch to. And the reason why I say this is because there's not a favorite, favorite area for him. He could handle the bat within the strike zone, anywhere in the strike zone, whether it's up in the zone, down in the zone, down in the way. He's not going to try. He knows what his pitch is that he could turn on, okay? That's step number one. Number two is recognizing the count you're in. He does that very well. And number three is if you're in trouble, just get the barrel on it. Something good could happen. And that is a pitcher's nightmare. And, and, and like, when, when I look back, that's, those are, like, guys like a, like a Brett Butler to me. Just wanted to put the bat on the ball and get to first base any way he can. This is what McNeil does. He understands the game very well. He's very well versed in what he needs to to do to be an excellent player, and he does he does it exceptionally well against the Phillies. We know our listeners out there are missing live sports, but you can always take a break with your teams on the My Teams app. It's where you'll find Phillies articles from 
Jim and I, and plenty of others during this period of inactivity. So go ahead and check out the My Teams app and share a story with a friend. It's not going to be fun for the Phillies to face him for the foreseeable future. Give me one of your guys, Rick. Uh, well, I'm going to go with with my probably my least. I wouldn't say famous one, but my my least likely to become a huge star. And that's Kevin Kiermeyer. I, I love this guy. I think he's he's one of those guys that brings me back to to uh, just. I, I brought him up because because your first guy was kind of an old school guy. This guy's the same way because not necessarily his bat is really going to sparkle to you. He doesn't crush the baseball, but I feel like he's a team leader. And, I mean, as a, as a pitcher, I love defensive guys. This guy will go and get it in any ballpark, any wall. He's not afraid of anything. And he's going to give you every little bit of energy that he has. And I love that in a ball player. I love when a guy will go out there and give you 100%, 162 games a year. He's probably the best defensive center fielder in baseball right now, three-time gold glover. What I love about Kevin Kiermeyer is how cocky he is about his defense. Oh, yeah. like, I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever seen him interview, but I remember when he won the gold glove last season watching that interview. I believe it was on MLB Network. And he was like, yeah, I'm the best defensive center fielder in the league. Like, I should have won the last couple of years. And he, he takes immense pride in it. He talks about it's, – it was almost like he was cutting a pro wrestling promo. You know, bragging. Isn't that kind of refreshing defense. to you? Yes, it is. Because there's not a lot of guys around the league that are like, oh, I just want to be good defensively. I mean, right. usually, usually you have that in a catcher, right? A catcher is usually the guy that wants to be really good defensively, wants that gold glove, because that gives him an edge up on everybody else. But, I mean, the Phillies have a guy in JT Real Muto who's both. The guy can play offense. He, he could catch. Um, so, you know, when, when I look at, at, at Kiermaier, I say, how many runs does he – stop defensively and he enjoys that that's mm -hmm. I mean the greatest thing about a guy that plays baseball is that he can play both sides he's not the greatest hitter in the world like I said but he's going to save you so many runs defensively that, <laughs> that, that it's just a refreshing thing to me so from a defensive specialist to a guy who plays no defense whatsoever number two on my list is Bobby Nelson Cruz. <laughs> I'm just kidding touche number two on my list is the ageless wonder Nelson Cruz of the Minnesota Twins Year after year, you expect that the guy's going to start to slow down. Last season, at 38 years old, he had one of the best years of his career. Over the last six seasons, Nelson Cruz has hit 285, averaged 41 homers over six years. 41 How homers. How many years does he have? 15 years in the bigs. But really, from age 33 to 38, he's been better than he was at any point in his career. Uh, and, and he showed no signs of slowing down. He's still a middle-of-the-order bat. It's a shame he can't play defense because he's been pretty cheap for the teams that have gotten him the last couple of years. He would, he would look great in the middle of any lineup. He's, he's one of those guys who you make that one little mistake to him, he's going to make you pay. And it's not making you pay with a single. It's making you pay the big way. He's going to take you out of the ballpark. He's going to hit the two, three-run home runs that everybody loves these days. Every team would love to have a guy like this. <laughs> Obviously, American League, as you said, the, de the defense is lacking. But a guy who has put up the numbers that he has put up for this long a period of time, it it's amazing to me. It really is amazing to me. And, it, I mean, what, what, he played in Seattle for a while. Am I right? I mean, that's a yeah. tough ballpark to play in. And, you know, Texas, not so much. But, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys where, you know, he's almost – you know what he reminds me of? Julio Franco, way back well, when. I could just rake at any age. 
And some guys just have that as a blessing. You know, their hands never go away. You hear about hitters always trusting their hands. Well, his hand-eye coordination never went away. That's why he's still very, very good at his job. Yeah, I mean, 2018 was Nelson Cruz's final year in Seattle. And last season, his batting average rose by 55 points in his first year in Minnesota. Yeah. You go from a cold weather – well, cool. I'll say it's always cool in Seattle. And then you go to a hot weather area. Yeah, everything's going to feel a lot better. I bet you his body felt a lot better. And he also, he also doesn't strike out that much. Struck out 131 times last season. So we're talking about a guy who has 40 home run power every year and is striking out less than Scott Kingery. So, what was his I mean, walks that, last year? He walks about 50 to 55 times per year. He's not oh, going to you know, blow you away. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want to get the two strikes. Why wouldn't you? So, okay, who, who's your next guy? Uh, my next guy, this is a guy I fell in love with last year because he came into Philadelphia and absolutely destroyed the Phillies, Max Kepler. If you remember that series, he hit three home runs in a series against the Phillies. I believe he was five for 14 in that series. And his swing is – he's got a beautiful left-handed swing. Uh, right fielder can play the position fairly well. I, I just think at some point he's going to be a total package. He had 36 home runs last year, but didn't even lead his team. So, I mean, and, that, and that's a tough ballpark in Minnesota, especially early on in the season. Not the easiest place to hit a lot of balls out of the ballpark, but this guy, he impressed me when he came into Philadelphia, I'll tell you that much. Hey, good news, Philly sports fans. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Phillies talk, Eagle Eye, Sixers talk, and Flyers talk now on the My Teams app. It speaks to the like the flexibility that the Twins have in their lineup. Kepler last season, when the Twins would face a right-handed pitcher, was their leadoff batter. Right. And they would face a lefty, he would hit seventh or eighth. And he was not nearly as good against lefties as he was against righties. But as you just said, 36 home runs, and it didn't even really stand out because the Twins were such a power-packed lineup. Um, that's an interesting organization because they have to do it all internally. Yeah, they can add a Nelson Cruz every once in a while. They did add Josh Donaldson from the Braves. That's going to be a huge uh, benefit for them. But, I mean, that's an example of a team that drafts and develops and turns its homegrown, star, uh, homegrown players into very, very good players more often than not. So a lot of clubs could look to them as uh, an example of what to do. Think about when Kepler came in last year. Did you think anything of him before the series? And then this guy comes in and just – you make a mistake on him. He's making you pay every single time out. Yeah, somebody's he's he's going to end up a big time player, uh, probably in probably in a big market at at some point. Yeah, so that was a breakout season for him last season. Max Kepler, the next guy on my list is probably is no surprise to you, Ricky. You've probably heard me talk about for years how he's one of my favorite players. It's Justin Turner of the Dodgers. Yeah. He's just such a good hitter. I mean, when you say professional hitter, I think Justin Turner, and the reason I say that is because we live in this this you know this launch angle revolution era right and Justin Turner was one of the first guys who about 5 years ago really started focusing focusing in on lifting the ball trying to hit the ball in the air um because it would be more conducive to his skill set but he doesn't swing and miss a lot this is a guy who stays through the baseball uses the center of the field so yes he's trying to keep get the ball in the air but he's not pull happy like a Reese Hoskins in 2019 he uses the entire field He's going to hit 300 to 310 almost every year with a little bit of power. To me, there are a few hitters in baseball with a runner in scoring position and two outs that I want to see less than Justin Turner. He's a great, great complimentary player, a guy that you could stick in pretty much any lineup, could adapt to his guys that are around him. I mean, you look at that Dodgers lineup. Come on. I mean, 
these those guys could flat out rake. You got a Bellinger in there. I mean, the guy could knock in anything. There's actually a couple. You, you look at Taylor on that team. He's the same type of way. I mean, he he doesn't hit for a lot of power, but he's a good, um, I guess, production player in the sense that you don't need a guy that's going to hit 50 home runs in those positions. You look at Turner, the guy could hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's going to take what the pitcher gives him. If you notice, a lot of these guys that we're talking about are guys that will stay within themselves and just play the game to the best of their ability within themselves. And that's hard to do, especially – Turner's not a younger player, but we brought up a couple of younger players. It's hard to do. It's hard to find out who you really are in the game. We understand with Justin Turner that he's had plenty of time to figure out who he is and where he fits in and what piece of the puzzle he is. And, I mean, when I, when I look at Turner – you say to yourself, well, is this a guy, like as a pitcher, you would say, can I let up on him? You know, because I think he gets a lot more mistake pitches than a lot of other guys will because of the guys that he has surrounding him. Does that make him a, a, a loose cannon type player? No. It makes him a better player because he can recognize these situations. He recognizes situations when he's going to come in, probably get a fastball, and he's going to be able to tee off. He's been around. He understands the game of baseball. He's mentally prepared for the game. Yeah, totally agree. So who, who's next on your list? Uh, let's go with a Philly. I'm going to go with Roman Quinn. And, 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 and it's an odd one because I do enjoy watching this guy play. I love watching him run the bases. When he's, and, I'm, and let's state it, I got to go with when he's healthy, right? And I think my biggest thing is if and when he does help, stay healthy, how good of a player can he be? I mean, the guy could obviously play some outfield because he can cover some ground. We know that, right? Um, but getting on base, what, what, what havoc could he wreak on base? I just think there's so much untapped potential in this guy that we haven't seen yet that I'm starving for it. And, and I think that's why I put him on the list. He doesn't have anything that steps out to you staggering. But I think he has the tools to be something that – we're looking forward to something that you'd like to go to the ballpark and see every day. That's what I'm waiting for. And if Roman Quinn can finally stay healthy and play a full season, it's, it's almost like exactly what the Phillies need in their lineup, because if he could seize the center field job, okay, whether he's batting eighth or whether he's batting at the top of the lineup, he has a skill set that you don't see throughout this lineup. Like Andrew McCutcheon's the leadoff man, but he's no longer a speed demon. Okay, Scott Kingery has the Jetpacks moniker, but he's not really, you know, he's not one of the the 30 fastest players in baseball by any means. Roman Quinn has difference making speed. We see it in the outfield. And the hope is just that the Phillies can at some point finally unlock all that potential because they've invested a ton of time into this guy. They've stuck with him throughout all these injuries because of the talent that he has. But it needs to happen. I feel like if it doesn't happen in 2020, uh, if there's no season, maybe if it doesn't happen in 2021, then it's probably never going to happen. Oh, he's definitely coming down to – I mean, let's face it, the candle's burning, right? And, and at some point you have to show that you can play in the league or else the league's not going to want you anymore. I think he is getting to the end of that candle. I mean, obviously, when you get injured, it's not necessarily your fault every time, right? I mean, there, there's a lot of things where we see him busting his butt down to first base and he blows out. But at some point, when, as, as a – major league manager or general manager, you're going to say to yourself, you know what, it's just not worth it anymore. And I think right now is the, and it's unfortunate. I guess he's one of the guys that's a little bit unfortunate that this season is being delayed because he has a lot to prove this year. And, and I think, um, 
you know, you don't want him to get any older. You want you want him to stay right where he is, and hopefully he, he can make some noise in this league this year at some point. So my- so my Philly uh, on the list is Andrew McCutcheon. And I know that that might seem a little weird because he is a former MVP and a five-time All-Star, but I think he qualifies as, you know, no longer a star player. It's been, he hasn't made an All-Star team since 2015, although he's remained a very, very good player. And I just love to watch him because, like, I'd say top 10 I in all of baseball. We're not talking about laying off pitches that are balls out of a hand. We're talking about laying off pitches that are just off the outside corner or just a little bit high, um, probably, probably a pitch you can't do too much with. So he just adds that element. He's also a very entertaining guy, uh, a player who's been around the block. Um, when he speaks, there's really there's a few thrills. It doesn't seem like there's an agenda. He's, an, he's honest. Uh, so all those things play into it as well. It, it would have been awesome if the Phillies could have gotten him a year or two earlier in his career, but he still has the chance that when this season does eventually begin to be able to provide value. He was on a, a roll last season earlier in the year that if he played a full year, we would have been looking at 30 home runs and on base percentage close to like 380 and a lot more people talking about how good Andrew McCutcheon is. I think we saw flashes. And, and what I mean by that is flashes of how good he actually is last year. Um, you know, the, the, Obviously, injuries are – they happen in the game, and it's unfortunate because I think his may have been one of the most unfortunate injuries last year of the season uh, for any team in Major League Baseball. But I, I look at this whole situation and you say, what does he bring to the table? And you mentioned that he brings, he, he brings calmness. If, if that's something in the clubhouse, he brings a sense of humor. He brings – an urgency to the game. He brings a little bit of everything. And when you ask a general manager what he likes about certain players, especially veteran players, the first thing that they will bring up is clubhouse presence. And this guy is everything you could possibly ask for. Come on. I don't know. I'm not really sure if he's bringing Lawrence with him this year, but if Lawrence comes, he can play too. Because this guy, I mean, how, how great is that? I mean, that, that just shows what type of person he is and that he could take anything that's thrown his way. And it also shows that he's a veteran and, and understands that people make mistakes. But I look at this whole thing that he's been doing, uh, and, and I say to myself, you know what? This is a guy that could look himself in the mirror and, and, and get, and he gets it. He gets where his life is. He gets who he is, and he gets what he wants to be. And I just think when you bring that type of person into a clubhouse, he can make even the sternest of guys feel comfortable. And that's what you want. And I think that's what he brings to the table. He obviously could still play the game. We saw that last year. He still has a little bit of pop. He could still play the outfield. So, I mean, you want him on your team. There's no doubt about it. But I think in the long run, the one thing that you're looking for is a guy that could handle a clubhouse at, at his age and, and his time in the big leagues. Philly's Talk is brought to you by Team Toyota, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that Team Toyota is kicking off a new season with safety, savings, and service. Visit them today at teamtoyota.net to be part of the team and stay on the road to victory. All right, so who's next on Ricky Bowe's non-star all-stars? I'm going with somebody who got injured last year. I'm going to say Fernando Tatis Jr. Maybe it's because I played with his dad, and I was and I was actually there on the Cardinals the night that his dad hit the uh, two grand slams in one inning off of Chandahoe Park, which was – that was something. I've never seen anything like that in my life. But this guy, 317 average, 22 home runs before his injury, 53 RBIs. 
I think he is the next up-and-comer. He is the next Mike Trout-type player. And um, the guy can play defense. Uh, he certainly can swing the bat for average. He can swing the bat for power. You don't see a lot of that coming up. What you see a lot of coming up is one way or the other. Either the guy's got power and, and doesn't hit for average or he's got average, doesn't hit for power. This is a guy that could do both. And I, and I think he's just like – He's the dream new type of player at, at the big league level. Loved what I saw in him last year. There's no dog in him. He goes out and plays the game, and he plays the game hard. Yeah, I mean, that left side of the infield in San Diego with uh, Tatis and Machado is going to be really good for at least the next four years. Manny Machado can opt out halfway through that deal. Uh, I agree. I think Tatis is going to be a, a real superstar. You look around the league, there's so many juniors right now that are on the cusp of breaking out. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., I guess Kevin Biggio, who we're going to talk a little bit about later. He's not a junior, but he's another player's son. Um, a lot of these guys have graduated to the majors and have a lot of potential. The guy I'm going to go with next, <clears throat> he also burst onto the scene last year, but it was not his rookie year. It was his ninth season in the bigs. I'm going with Oakland Athletics closer Liam Hendricks, maybe the most anonymous player that's going to be on either of our lists, but the guy was absolutely ridiculous last season. A 1.80 ERA in 85 innings, saved 25 games, struck out more than 13 batters per nine innings with a whip under one. We're talking about 40 more strikeouts than innings pitched from a guy who previous to that, in his previous eight seasons, had an ERA nearly of five. Uh, fastball, upper 90s really good slider and curveball. I mean, it just sticks out to me as another example of you stockpile relievers who have upside, who have, who have a skill that could potentially become elite, right? You don't yeah. know who's going to, you don't know who's going to flash or who's going to pop in a given year. Uh, and Liam Hendricks last season, no expectations. And it was probably the best reliever in baseball. But uh, you, you know, what's funny, you bring up relievers slash closers. Where has that position gone? And there aren't that many of these guys that could actually, you know, take the bull by the horns in the ninth inning. I think that's one thing that has to be highlighted in what you're saying right now. Because a guy that can go out there and take the ball in the ninth inning and, and be good at it, hard to find. And, and, I, and I just think that anybody in this day and age right now who has the ability to finish out ball games is a valuable commodity. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great pick on your part. I mean, I, you don't expect a reliever to be on this list, but, hey, I got to give you props there. I, that, that was actually very good. And um, I, I, I just think because closing's a dying art that this is even more important. No doubt. I mean, so he didn't begin the year as their closer, Liam Hendricks. He no, no. worked his way into that role. And it's, uh, what you just said, get, get this, seventh inning last season, Hendricks, 15 appearances, 0, 0, 0 ERA. In the eighth inning, 21 appearances, 1.15 ERA. In the ninth inning, 42 appearances, 2.04 ERA. So that's an example of a guy who can pitch the seventh, eighth, or ninth. And as you said, as we've seen so many examples of, a lot of guys, the ninth inning is a totally different beast. Curious yeah, who you have next. I'm going to tell you, when I played, there were guys that, were, that could go out there and set up a game in the seventh, eighth inning. But when that nine came up on the board, it was like scared. As, as scared as you could ever believe, sweat starts pouring down. It was odd because if somebody gave me a, a position and the money was the same and somebody said you could set up or you could close, say, I want, I want to close. I want, especially nowadays, I just want the three outs and get out of there. And, and that's the way it should be. 
Um, so I, you know, it, it is what it is, but when you can find somebody that, that has the mindset to do that job, I think you're in good shape. Uh, I'm going to move on and I'm going to go to, I, 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 I will go to Mark Connor from the Oakland A's. And the reason why I like this guy, I think, I think I took a couple guys that were just defense. This guy is more of a defensive type to me. I think he can go get the ball. He's not afraid of anything. And I mean, he, he's, he's, I don't know for some reason why I'm picking all these guys that could just go defensively. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a pitcher. Because I did this really subconsciously, and it seems like I went with a lot of defensive guys, not so much on the offensive uh, offensive part. But, I mean, still, what, he had 16 home runs last year, 70 RBIs, which is not terrible. I, I, I look at this and I say to myself, you know what, this is a guy that, that I would like to have playing behind me. And sometimes that's all I need. So I went with, I went with him. Can play all three outfield positions and first base. Mark Hanna last season won me a fantasy baseball championship. I'm not even exaggerating. He was so good offensively the last month and a half of the season. I really rode him to a championship in fantasy baseball. A guy who was probably the numbers sixteen and seventy. Yeah, uh, no, well, he had, it was all pretty late, right? Well, he had, he ended up with twenty six homers last year. Sixteen oh, and seventy. I, I must have messed that one up. 16 and 70, he did have 16 and 70, but that was a different year. But last season, we're looking at a 396 OBP, a guy who, again, didn't strike out that much. And down the stretch, as I said, I mean, he had 320 over the last six weeks of the season to really carry the A's into the playoffs. He does have a defensive portion of his game. He's a well-rounded player that just not many people know about. It's two Oakland A's in a row for us. Obviously, they're playing three hours later, so a lot of Phillies fans don't get to see them as much. A lot of them don't see them at all. I mean, when yeah. you really think about it, who really sees a lot of a lot of uh, West Coast games at the excuse me twenty six and fifty eight yet? Anyways, yeah. I, I, I just I just think guys like that. I mean, you don't. It's funny because when you think about the Oakland A's, they either bring in these players that are really really old, or they have the good younger younger to middle type players who haven't gotten to their big salaries yet, right? I and mean, that's what Mark Hanna is. Yeah, that's, it's uh, that's the yeah. thing here, and I, they, they always seem to find some good ones. So there, there's another good one there. Another guy that Phillies fans don't see a lot of, because if you're a Phillies fan, you're probably not watching too many Kansas City Royals games, but Whit Merrifield, who's been the subject of trade rumors every year, it seems like, of his career. But, I mean, if you're going to, in a lab, create like the most versatile baseball player possible, it's, it's Whit Merrifield. He can play first, second, third, left field, right field, center field, steals bases, hits for power, hits for average, gets better every year. Um, and he's on a team-friendly contract. He is uh, – man, if you – you could put him in the leadoff spot for any team in baseball and it would make them better. I don't care who you have in the leadoff spot. If you have Andrew McCutcheon, if you have DJ LeMayhew, you put Whit Merrifield on a team, you're going to be better. You know what? My, my thing, if you think back to when – it was last Mother's Day because that was the Cole Irvin thing, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember sitting in, in uh, when that series was coming up talking about how nice it would be to have this guy on, on the Phillies because I, I think he really played into a Gabe Kapler-type situation where he could play different positions, and, and he just knew he knows how to play the game. These guys, you got to understand, we're bringing up guys that are kind of hard to come by these days, that, that are multifaceted. Uh, they could do different things. They could play some defense. They could they 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 get the offense kicking. And when when you find players like that now, it becomes a special thing. And, and I think that's where we are right now. You think about some of the players that we picked up. You brought brought up 
uh, Merrifield. I brought up Tatis, Kepler. These guys were, were not even on the were not even on the radar a few years ago. Now all of a sudden, these guys have really stepped up, and they're going to be the future of baseball. And I think Merrifield is going to get a lot of money at some point. Well, I think it's because if you look at like the body type and the skill set, there's nothing Mark Hanna does that says what you say. Wow, that's an elite skill. He's just solid around the board. Whit Merrifield is solid in every category. You know, last season, Merrifield led the majors in games played, at bats, hits, triples. He also led in caught stealings because his base running took a slip. But, uh, no, I mean, he's just a really, really good, versatile player. And, unfortunately, it looks like he will end up playing his entire prime for a very bad Kansas City Royals team. He's already 30 years old at this point. All yeah. right, so we're, we're close to wrapping up our list. But, who do you, I think we each have two more players left. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Gary Sanchez. The catcher for the Yankees, 34 home runs, 77 RBIs, a couple all-star games. I just think that this is one of those guys that has become a total package. And he's become quickly a total package for the Yankees. When you think back a couple years ago, can he catch? Can he do certain things? He's not as good defensively as he needs to be. But, I mean, the offensive numbers he throws up are pretty impressive. I just think this guy has stepped into a big market and and – really has kind of put guys like Stanton and Judge at times in the background. And if you could do that, you're a pretty damn good player, if you ask me. And he, he has done that in New York. He just needs to stay healthy. Um, yep. he missed 50 games last year, missed like about 70 games the year before. Missed 50 and still had 34 home runs. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He go, his power binges are remarkable because yep. – it's almost like Reese Hoskins where the guy can go two, three weeks without hitting a homer and then he'll hit like six homers in three games. Uh, yeah, Gary Sanchez is really good, one of the better offensive catchers in all of baseball. The weird thing to me with Gary Sanchez, I have a lot of Yankees fan friends. They don't seem to like Gary Sanchez. Because they don't think he could catch. They don't think he's good defensively. I mean, is it by, – by the way, I just want to throw something out there. We, we see JT. Why is JT good? Because he throws out base runners, right? I mean, in, in reality, that's the first thing you, you think of. This guy could throw out base runners defensively. You think about Gary Sanchez, and the first thing you think is that the Yankees' starting rotation wasn't very good, right? Yeah. So who do you blame? They're blaming the catcher yeah. instead of blaming the pitchers. Maybe sometimes it's the pitcher's fault, not the catcher's fault. Gary Sanchez defensively, I, I always saw him as like closer to a Jorge Alfaro because he has an incredibly strong arm. In fact, I'm pretty sure that the that if you look at the last two, three seasons of baseball, uh, arm strength, the stat arm strength, miles per hour from catchers, the top three are in, in, in this, I don't know what the order is, but the top three are Sanchez, Real Muto, and Jorge Alfaro. Right. Sanchez just isn't as good of a receiver as JT. That's why JT right. gets those accolades is because – Yes, the, the, the caught stealing stick out more than anything else because they're sexy plays, but it's everything else that he does quietly. However, I will say, um, Philly's pitchers certainly didn't improve last season. Some of that could be on JT Real Muto. Yes. A lot of it's not. But, 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 if it, but if it was terrible as a whole, I, no, 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 but there was a built-in excuse, don't forget, the change of pitching coaches. And the change of the baseball. And I really believe that Kranitz was an outstanding outstanding pitching coach and then see see why was just not as hands-on let's mm -hmm. face it he didn't profile okay. very well last guy on my list is michael brantley michael brantley who signed with the astros last season he got one fewer year than andrew mccutcheon at around the same price tag i think 
Brantley got two years, 32 million. McCutcheon got three years, 50 million. Uh, Phillies were also after Brantley, even after signing McCutcheon, but they also in the back of their minds knew that they had a real shot to get Bryce Harper. So, you know, they didn't want to tie themselves up in the outfield. Michael Brantley would have been awesome though. Uh, You're probably noticing a theme to my list that I have a lot of high contact guys on there. And that's because that's the type of baseball that I love to watch. I'm not saying I'm a bunning small ball guy, but I like activity. I like seeing guys hit opposite field singles, leg out doubles, um, be able to move runners up. Like, all old school? Are you showing them old school? <laughs> Dude, I, I'll tell you what, man. All that stuff really has become underrated over the last like, five to ten years because people are so obsessed with efficiency, right? And, and there's a theory that like uh, an out in play is the same as a strikeout. Well, I don't believe that because anybody who's played baseball at any level knows that if you have to make the defense work, there is obviously a greater chance of them making an error, you getting on base. And Michael Brantley is a guy who like almost never swings and misses. I do want to pump something up, and this is for you, because I, I think a lot of people say, well, Corey's the numbers guy, right? I want to say something. Corey knows a lot about baseball in general. And, and uh, no, I'm being, I'm being uh, completely honest. That I, I, I mean, because I've become a lot more no- numbers-oriented because of you. And, and, uh, and I think – when we sit and talk, I, people are like, oh, well, they put Corey in the corner during the shows. Well, right. because on the shows, yeah, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the numbers. And we right. put the numbers guy over there. I don't put them there, by the way. People think <laughs> I But I will say, I mean, and then this is a credit to you that you understand the game a lot more than just how the numbers play out. Thank you. I mean, that, that really – that's always been my goal is to be able to show people that, like, while I, I do – pull stats out of nowhere. It's, it's more than that. And I, with the, out, with of the where? Stuff, out of your, <laughs> out, of, out of my, uh, expletive. But, uh, so when people like tweet me stuff like that about how like, Oh, they have Corey in the corner or like uh, Ricky's yelling at Corey for reciting too many stats. I just lean into it. Cause I find it funny. I lean By into way, us people, being cliches. People don't even understand you know? that. Like where I'm sitting, when we go to you, I can't even see you because I'm right. looking at Michael's head. <laughs> You're looking at the side of Michael's head. Lucky you. Yeah. All right, let, so, me, let me give you my last, my last thing, and you can just comment on this because mine's like a trio. And I'm going to say – I'll just give you last names. Biggio, Bichette, Guerrero. How good, are the, how good is that team going to be for a long period of time? Yeah, they're going to be good, man. They, they, added, they added Hyunjin Ryu to the rotation this season. They're trying to kind of build a little stable stability around that core. Remember we talked recently about that idea that the Phillies could be in a division with the Yankees and Blue Jays yeah. if the MLB does half a season in Florida and half a season in Arizona? That would mean, if that happens, that we would see a healthy dose of those young guys. Did you see the – well, they did like a, uh, a simulated season. Phillies did not fare very well in that simulated season. Oh, no? It was a 75-game season or something like that in the – I think they were 28 and something. It wasn't good. It, it playing in that division, that Yankees Blue yeah. Jays division, really? Because yeah, I, I, I would have been a little bit more with the Tigers and the Pirates in there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, who who even knows what we're going to see? Though? There's so many different proposals Just and ideas out there. Something. I want to see some baseball. I mean, hey, Anthony Fauci, the top infectious diseases expert in the country, Dr. Fauci did say earlier in the week that he thinks that we could see sports this summer as long as there are no fans in attendance. So uh, I mean, I he's saying that. that I think that's the plan anyways, no fans until next year. Yeah, so, I mean, baseball's not going to make as much money as it did last year or the year before, and neither is any sport. But well, I, everybody- th- I, think what, I think what baseball really wants to do is show their face. This time right now where people need, need something live, 
I mean, look, all those loyal diehard baseball fans are still going to watch, but MLB also has a chance to attract so many new younger viewers right now because of the craving for live sports. And I mean, I'm with you, Ricky. I just going crazy here. I need some baseball in my life. It's going to do it. I need something other than this little camera in front of me. (laughs) We're becoming very, very intimately familiar with Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, we are. That's going to do it for this edition of Philly Stock. He's Ricky Bowe. I'm Corey Simon. Hope you enjoyed this little list of the non-star all-stars. We'll catch you early next week.